This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm tired of the hot weather. I love crawling into a made bed at the end of the night, and I'm only drinking bottled water to avoid the brain-eating bacteria that is going around South Texas currently. Hi, I'm Janelle. I've been to nine states in the past month. I've been hunting ghosts and I don't eat pizza. Uh, Hi, I'm Ryan. I have not worn sunglasses since 1997. I am the second oldest of 10 and I don't wear deodorant. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. Perfect. Solid. Also, (laughs) Also, if you were here, I would literally slap you. Just give me a good smack in the face. Oh my gosh! Where are part? your sunglasses? You know what? I like, I like no. life. I like t- taking no. it in. I like, people, I like people to be able to see my eyes. I like be able to. Um, and I've burned your retinas. Not really. I'm 45, and I mean, I'm just kind of getting out of the the 2020 vision in general. So, so far, so great. What about like squint? Are you really squinty then? Because I find if I don't wear my sunglasses, I'm like this and just squinting all the time. But probably because you've been wearing them for so long. <laughs> oh my, my eyes God. haven't adjusted. I'm right? So... Oh my gosh. If my boyfriend was here right now, he would be like, <laughs> I, because I'm constantly like, where are your sunglasses? Where are your sunglasses? Because <laughs> it is not a I hate sunglasses thing. It's that. I just grew that every time I would purchase sunglasses, I would either break them or lose them or step on them or leave them in another car. And I just found myself. I remember I say 1997 because I remember like being out in Arizona and like bringing my that's the last picture I can see with me having sunglasses on. I remember that, it was right around that time. I was just like, oh, enough's enough. That's same with Dylan. He literally I've never met somebody who breaks more sunglasses. I'm like, just literally buy like 10 pairs, but <laughs> or don't, which. Right. <sighs> I was also just impressed you remember the year, but the picture. So it was going to be my next question. I'm like, was there a moment in time, like in 97, it something was happened? It a sunny day in March <laughs> yeah. of 1987. And sunglasses. And sunglasses. My life. <laughs> Never okay, again. No deodorant. The no deodorant. Not again. You know what? Completely uncommon, but you just don't smell? Just don't smell. And oh. if I do, like, I mean, it's. I'm just in general, I don't sweat a lot. I'm like a super sweaty person. And so I just, okay. I've really never had BO. So I'm like, why, 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 <laughs> why add chemicals onto my body? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who, um, who sweats, but doesn't smell. I definitely sweat and I smell and I have different smells if I'm stressed out or I'm not stressed out. So I can tell if I'm really stressed out because my BO smells different. And so can everybody else, apparently. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you're feeling stressed today, Rachel. Why do you ask? How did you know? It's really. Oh, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. It's... Got a real soury oh. tinge to you today. <laughs> yeah. Now, all that being said, and this is going immediately into the authenticity. I do, and this comes from my 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 brothers, my dad is the same way. I do have this, which I don't. Thank goodness, I don't get to smell it. But I do when I wake up in the morning. Or as I sleep sleep through the night, my body does create a different type of body odor that my wife loves. Uh, but literally, I didn't didn't know about it for years, and I would like like stay at my brother's house. I'm like, damn, like you know, what's going on? You open a window, like you know, <laughs> and I come to find out I'm the same way. All right, so you are human. That's, so That's absolutely so far. So as far as I can tell, <laughs> still human. Yeah. Oh, Janelle. So where are you right now? 
Oh no, we lost nope. her. She's back. No, nope, she's back. <laughs> she was frozen. She, she was in. She was somewhere in the quantum realm. Yeah, hanging out returning. with ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, like I go to these hotels, and I don't know how they're in business. They're bad internet. All right. Well, I mean, if you're going to places where you're trying to be in the mountains, I, maybe people aren't trying to be on the internet. You know, right now I'm not even trying to be in the mountains. I'm in Asheville. That's like a real town. Yeah. Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. How long have you been hanging down there? Uh, we just got in today, actually, but we were um, we were in Nashville and then made a pit stop in Bryson City, North Carolina, and we drove into Asheville today. Sweet. Yeah. Adventure continues. It does. It's ongoing. Got a little bit more time on the road. Uh, and then I think mid-November, I'll, I'll go back. I'm originally from Wisconsin. Uh, right. So I'll head back there. Yeah. So that, good that's where you are until for, for the next six, seven weeks or so. Oh, no, no, no. We'll go. Actually, I'll kind of be closer to you. Ocean City, Maryland. Uh, and then actually a month in Maine. Okay. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, should we introduce you, Ryan? I'm ready. All Just right. Besides the smelly guy, the smelly, the, the guy. smelly guy that hates sunglasses. It is almost November, which is just wild. I really don't know where 2020 went. And with a new month, that means that the collective is just around the corner. The collective is our monthly community gathering where we get together to discuss how we authentically live and find our true north. In November, the collective is happening on the 3rd at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and we're diving into Enneagram. If you haven't listened to our episode on Enneagram already, we will link it in the show notes below, but it'll be a great resource to prep you. Otherwise, you can also come in completely fresh-minded, and we will share everything that you need to know in the collective. But this is a really fun space where we just get together and get to be fellow travelers with you all. We don't have all the answers and we're sharing and connecting. We'd love to see you there. All right, now let's introduce Ryan. Ryan is a stranger from the internet, which we love on the podcast. We get really excited when we get to meet people over the internet and on the podcast. And he's been a life coach since 2009. We'll definitely dive into that. But you've spent the majority of your career coaching musicians within the music industry. You've also um, worked with different coach training organizations around the world. And I also see, and this isn't a part of the bio you sent me, but it looks like you were doing a little teach me how to sell. So maybe some training in there. Yeah. Um, but what we really did was the topic of judgment versus curiosity and also labels, which we've had a few different conversations on the podcast specifically around labels. Um, but I'm really excited to hear another perspective on it and also to dive into what judgment and curiosity means to you. Yeah. So welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Welcome. Blessed to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. So why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, how did you get to where you are today? The shortened version, and then we'll dive even deeper as we continue to talk. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and thank you for the opportunity. So yeah, I mean, I've been, um, I'm kind of a, a lifelong entrepreneur. So in some capacity, I think the reason I bring that up is as an entrepreneur, even as a young person, it really, uh, I got into personal development at a young age because as many people know, being an entrepreneur is takes a lot of drive, takes a lot of persistence, takes some intention, uh, follow through, and those types of things that I learned at an early age in a kind of an entrepreneurial journey. Um, I was in 2000, you know, the couple of miscellaneous, not exciting stories will take me up to 2008. 
uh, when I was in artist management. So I used to manage a bunch of bands. Uh, and I loved it. I lo what I loved most about it was like, I, I got to be an entrepreneur, but I got to hang out with music people. I got to kind of do that. You know, I had my own business as a manager, um, but I also got to go to shows often and, and hang out and party and, and see live music and meet new people and be a part of a scene and kind of be part of a, a thing that was, you know, it's like when you read about, um, you know, San Francisco in the 1960s, you know, you kind of just imagine all these guys just kind of hanging out and doing their thing. And what it was, you know, it was like just that feeling and that vibe. But it, it, I certainly wasn't at that high caliber of uh, talent, but at the same time, I did attend a lot of music and I did meet a lot of really cool people. Uh, but there was aspects of artist management that I didn't love. I, what, I, what I loved was working with creative people. I loved empowering people. I loved being, having those conversations, especially with younger musicians um, that maybe nobody had had with them before. Nobody had really shared with them their ability to set big goals and reach them. And that, that actually life can be whatever you want it to be if you decide to, to take action and live in that way. I didn't necessarily like dealing with shady club owners though. And if I was working with a band and, and half the members didn't want to show up to practice on time and, and it turned more into like babysitting than it was really just about, you know, creating something as a team. Uh, and there's other aspects, you know, as this is at a point in my life when I was starting to build a family and I didn't really feel like being out to New York City till three o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday, listening to the same music over and over again, right? So there's aspects of it that I love, but aspects of it that I didn't love. Um, so in October of 2008, like three different times from three different people, and that's when you kind of know it's, it's something coming from somewhere. I, I just, the, the term or concept of a coach came up, a life coach, a business coach, a health coach. And I was like, well, that's what I am. That, that's what I'm doing. That's who I am. I can, I can feel it. Like that's what I'd love to be doing. So in 2009, I enrolled in IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, early in 2009, um, graduated later that year. And I kept working with musicians because I love the creative people. I loved I, I had some connections. Um, a lot of people don't realize that musicians are actually entrepreneurs, right? They are people who are creating a product. People just assume that they are uh, creative people or they're just artists, which is true. Uh, but they're also entrepreneurs. They're creating a product that they want to sell to the masses that they're putting out there publicly to be judged on, right? And a lot of the time, that's exactly what an entrepreneur is, looking to make money for it, right? So you can make a living in this, in this space, especially in an industry that is, is sometimes can feel brutal. So I love being the coach and like helping people like, hey, man, like, what do you want to do? What, what is your inner dialogue like? What are we doing differently? How, how, how are your thoughts leading to, to where you want to be? Um, so I, I saw, I've been coaching for the past 10 years. I spent a, a good part of my career coaching musicians. But about halfway through, I also, and I'll dial it back quickly. Um, I, I, told you I graduated from IPEC. When I actually enrolled in IPEC, uh, before I even graduated, they asked me to come work for them in a couple of different capacities. And I ended up becoming their first internal coach. So I coached all of their staff. And as I started to kind of work with all their staff, I mean, everybody from entry level up to the CEO, I recognized my ability to kind of really expand my reach besides just musicians and how much I enjoyed working with different types of people and having different types of concepts. And I love musicians. I still work with many today, but sometimes they're, you know, to have only musicians, just late hours and just different stories and different creative personalities. It was nice to work with a different style of, of human. Uh, so since then I started working with, you know, I've worked with doctors, I've worked with authors, I've worked with marketing people. Um, I just love anyone who's really recognizes that they have more potential and they're excited to figure out the best way to get them, get there. They, they recognize they have blocks, they have fears, they have limiting beliefs that are not allowing them to be there. And I get to come in and look at those, help them get there in the most efficient way possible. That's really cool. When I think of so many musicians or, or people that aspire or have a talent to be a musician too. I do think it's so easy just to say like, oh, that's not possible. 
for me. Yeah. And it's a huge place to be. And that's why, that's why I love so much about being a coach there. It's like where I can um, come in and just ask them questions that they wouldn't have thought to ask themselves. And my, I don't have their fears. I don't have their blocks. I, I don't care what their mom told them or what their friends are saying or what the, you know what I mean? To be honest with you, I don't care what their limiting, not they don't care, but I don't have buy-in on their limiting beliefs. Right. And yeah. so when they say like, Hey, I want to do this. Cool. Like that's my agenda. My agenda is your agenda. First of all, my agenda is to make sure that you are clear on your agenda and make sure that's actually what it is. Because sometimes they just think it, and that's been their story. That's what they believed for so long. But when you dive a little bit deeper, it's actually not it at all. Um, and then, so I loved that. And then I, I like helping them get there because I'm not blocked again by the, by the things that are blocking them. What was the kind so, of music that you managed? Sorry, I kind of want, I've oh, like wanted to ask you. Yeah, don't apologize. So really all over. So, I mean, I'm a super huge fish nerd. Uh, I don't know if you guys like fish or brands or not, but. I used to work um, at Ben and Jerry's in high school for four years. I was the head love it. cake okay. maker. <laughs> Seen that. Um, yeah, so I saw fish for the first time in 93. I've seen him, you know, easily over a hundred times. I, yeah. I really stopped counting. So, fun. 30, 40 mark. Um, so I, I, in general, I love that. In fact, I first, the first band I ever managed was Tom Marshall, who's the lyricist for, for Fish. Oh, crazy. His, his band called Amphibian. Yeah. Uh, and so I managed his band. Uh, and then another band, which is kind of a progressive band, progressive jam, but really more of like progressive rock type of thing. They're called Karmic Juggernaut. Uh, I worked with a, a country band called uh, CB Radio. I worked with another, um, the, so Meatloaf had a backup singer, this woman named Cece Coletti, and she just kind of was like a classic rock type of a thing, um, you know, that, that's her vibe. And so she does a lot of covers, but also writes some of her own music. And so I worked with her for a while. Um, and a couple other, you know, other artists, but those are the top ones that come to mind that I had the most fun with, I think. Yeah. Did you ever play with them? Did they ever let you jam out with them? You know, I don't play any music. I have lived vicariously through my clients. Not um, even like bad karaoke with them? Uh, no, I've actually, I am. The, so Amphibian put out an album through Relics Magazine and I'm I'm on one of the tracks. I got to do some of the Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, one of the best nights of my life. And this coming in as a super fish nerd, right? To be able to singing in the, in a studio with Tom Marshall yeah. uh, was, was pretty, pretty much a, a lifelong. Like it, it was definitely one of the highlights of my life. Hell yeah. That's but really yeah, I mean, cool. jam on a regular basis. I certainly would certainly hang out and, and play music till three o'clock in the morning on a regular basis at studio. Yeah. There was, I used to live in Minneapolis and there was a bar there where they would have a live band. Um, there was one specific night, I can't remember what it was, but they would have a live band up at, on the stage and they would do live band karaoke. So you would sit, go up on the stage and sing with the band. Yeah. It was the coolest thing ever, ever. Like what songs do you know? I and mean, I would, oh, did you just say what? Uh, Africa by Toto is my go-to. And, and now um, John Denver, Take Me Home, Country Road. All right. It's always a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. When I was in high school, I was actually in a band called Your Mom. Uh, and, the, and the concept, I was a singer, right? I didn't play any instruments. But the concept was, is that you, we could say like, hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to see your mom tonight. Or, or did you, I just got your mom a new <laughs> album. Dude, I heard your mom on the radio last week, right? That was so great. <laughs> we only had one performance. We didn't get very far, but it was, it was a good time singing. That is fun. So question for you then, did you aspire to be a musician growing up and then saw your skill set being transformed somewhere else or? No, you know what? I, did, I think on some level, if I'm looking deep back, uh, at some point I wanted to be maybe like a stand-up comedian or like a Saturday Night Live guy or like... um just some sort of a gregarious 
presenter. I don't even know. I didn't really have yeah. a particular plan. I, I wanted to get into filmmaking a lot as well. Um, in fact, I, that was that was my I, I wrote a screenplay. That's actually why I met Tom Marshall, because I wrote a screenplay geared towards the fish community. And I met Tom Marshall on MySpace. And I was like, uh, that, that's how far back this goes. And it turns out he was recording at this studio that was like 20 minutes from my house. And so I was like, hey, man, like I wrote the screenplay. Like, I think you'd like it. And I, I, my, my brain, like I thought you'd have all these ins. And then, of course, in your brain, it's like, he's going to love it right away. And he's a fish and they're going to love it. And they're going to give me money. and We're going to make this film. And that's, you know, that, that was my whole plan. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I never wanted to be a musician as much as I just wanted to do anything where I could kind of celebrate life and perform in front of people. I, I'm actually in hindsight, I'm probably just think I was just too lazy as, as a as like a teenager to really get into music and I didn't have anybody really pushing me to, to do anything either so uh, yeah I never had particular drive I, I liked hanging out with musicians though that's cool that's super interesting um so as a well okay we're gonna get into like the meat of it but I also have just an oddball question too you said shady club owners do you have good stories there I wish, I wish I did. No, just for the most general. It's like people who it's not, they're not excited to talk to you. Everything's an attitude. It's kind of like they're doing you a favor the whole time. And, you know, it's not even negotiating. It's just like lowballing you for different stuff. It's like, you can't have a real conversation. And it wasn't, wasn't my style of business. You know what I mean? It wasn't the type of thing. I mean, these guys deal with thousands, especially in like New York City. It's like they're dealing with so many different people all day long. And so, you know, everybody's exactly who they should be for the life they led up until that moment. So. I'm not here sure. to judge them as much as I just didn't <laughs> enjoy that process of, of the business. Yeah. And that's a, a good data point too, to collect in, yeah. in your career. I'm sure you were able to use that to navigate to things that you would rather be doing or interacting with. Totally. Well, I ended up becoming a coach and actually yeah. just a real quick, I'll just a, the cool part about that is that screenplay that I wrote uh, led me to Tom, which led me to the studio. So I ended up getting office space in that studio. And so that's where other musicians would come in who I met, all those musicians who I, I mentioned, I managed, I met through that studio space. So they would come in, I would just talk about my business background and we got to know them and I, I picked them up as clients. And then because of my clients, I then got into coaching because I realized what I liked about, you know, working with, with musicians was the serving, was the empowering, was the having those powerful conversations. And so had I never written that screenplay and sought out Tom Marshall, I might not be the coach that I am. See, I love, and I love that. It's sometimes... And, and I'll speak from I, like sometimes when I have been like, what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? What's the dream? It can seem so far reaching and I'm trying to create a linear path to it, which is great because it like gets me on a path. Oh. Um, but it's like, if I get too paralyzed by needing that path to look a certain way, nothing ever fucking happens. And so it's <laughs> like, you followed an intuition of like, I got, I got to write this screenplay, this weird ass screenplay. I got to do it. And then that is what actually got you there. And I just, I love stories like that. I feel like that's how Janelle and I met. I feel like that's how a lot of things have come to, to, together for me is I, I think before I used to say, I just got lucky, you know, I happened to be in the right place at the right time, but there was, there was movement on my part. There was heart, heart pull, heart put, like there was something there that was very tangible and maybe somebody else couldn't see it or didn't totally make sense, but I knew this is the step I need to take. And by taking it, it kind of unfolded. And then I was like, oh yeah, there it goes there. Here it's going. Okay. And so, um, I don't know. I just, I love that call out. It's, I think that makes life exciting. Well, the truth is there's only now, right? And so when we start to recognize that everything is happening exactly as it's supposed to, 
and to your point, we allow it to unfold the way it's supposed to create gratitude for what you want to happen, right? So you're stepping into it. You're thinking about who you want to be. You're, you're actually, like to your point, taking action on it. Maybe I would recommend even writing it down, um, but then creating gratitude for it and just show up every day on purpose. Recognize that you're a co-creator in the whole process and do what you can, when you can, as often as you can with intention, with purpose, with follow through and gratitude, and then just watch the rest unfold and enjoy the journey. And what I love about what you said is even having that attachment, sometimes we have attachment to an outcome, but if you don't start taking steps towards who you want to be, you might not learn who you become. Yeah. Have you found, have you found in, cause I am a life coach as well. I'm only like, I'm little spring chicken. Um, yeah, I saw, I was watching your last uh, episode. You were talking about training. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love it. It's same thing. I was in advertising forever. And what I didn't, I didn't realize that what I was doing was supporting the creatives mostly in being able to work through the moments where they just are feeling like shit. And like, I can't, yeah. I can't create at this, at this caliber, at this speed. And I didn't realize what my innate ability was in holding that container for them to just feel what they were feeling and then reconnect to their you know, power or whatever you want to call it. Um, but my question is, you know, you've been at this for a while and it, have you found now that the world kind of uses a lot of this language very surface levelly, like it's almost become buzz phrases that you have, you really have to check in with clients that they actually aren't just spewing words and it isn't just becoming like, um, you know, repeated phraseology or dogma. And yeah. And like, has that shifted in now it become it being more of like a, language and society? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I think the challenge for me and to answer it appropriately is that to your point, I've been I've been utilizing this dialogue for 10 years. And so surrounding myself with those types of people for 10 years, 10 plus years, right? So especially also working at a coach training company, um, just surrounding myself with coaches all the time. And so it's always been kind of somewhere in my conversation and in my peripheral. Did I say that word? Is that, is that right? Peripheral? Peripheral? Um, so I... I when I see it now, it just seems normal to me. So I don't see that it's new and becoming more common. So in some, in some way, as I'm thinking out loud, I mean, I love that my clients are open to self-awareness and mindfulness and, and have an understanding that it is out there and I'm able to kind of give them a deeper perspective of it. So even if it is surface level, like anything else, it's like, it gives me an opportunity to be curious and ask them like what that means to them and, and, and help find out what their understanding actually is of it. And then, you know, kind of blow their mind a little bit when I show them the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I just, I appreciate that because I've, I've found um, many times I will be talking about some pretty profound concepts and because people have heard it before, they're like, yeah, 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 I have choice. And then it's like, hold on, hold on. No, let's actually like sit in that for a second. Like, what does that actually mean to you if you have choice right now? Do you actually yeah. feel like you have choice? Is that actually true? Um and then yeah, there's like a, yeah, there's like, actually, there's a slowing down of like, oh yeah, I'm just moving so fast that these are the words that I know I can say, and I know I can access it. And I know I can get there, but like real sustained change is, is well, yeah, it feels different. And the other piece to that though, I would say is what's interesting. Like I know that I heard people speak or maybe just whether it be on YouTube or just going to a speaking event or just reading a book or something, and you hear somebody say something 
And I'm told, I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. Like, I, I, I do that all the time. I'm totally there. And I meant it and I felt it and I believed it. And then all of a sudden, as I kind of continue on my journey and I, you know, this is my own opinion and I level up, right? I kind of get to a little bit of a deeper level. I have a deeper understanding of consciousness or now or whatever. Uh, not, and also I'm like, oh, <laughs> so that's what that guy was talking about 10 years ago when he said it one way and I just kind of blew it off as something that I thought it was. So I think in those spaces, it's important to, for me, you know, as a coach to recognize that, and I kind of touched on earlier talking about the, the club owners, that everybody is literally exactly who they should be for every single second of life they've lived up until that moment. And so sometimes they're not ready to hear the, the full depth of it. To, but to your point, it's great to, to question them around it and challenge them on it and help them to be curious about it. Um, but then also not to get caught up in whether they're getting it or not. Totally. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love <laughs> the reminder of like, um, just the non-attachment. It's like, whatever depth and level that they're at is perfect for them. And yeah, yeah is there's something really beautiful about giving people the, um, the chance to experience that depth for themselves at the pace for themselves. Like that's a very empowering experience versus someone trying to jam it down your throat and be like, go deeper. So, yeah. Cool. And you know, what I've found in a lot of my, my just coaching relationships is that we have some really powerful sessions, but the work really gets done when I'm, when I'm not even there, like the Absolutely. work is done in the following week, right. Or whatever, like when they're out Absolutely. there doing it and they come back and like, Oh my God, remember what you said last Tuesday I was out with my girlfriend on Saturday night and all of a sudden this, so, and I just sit and listen for a little bit, but like, that's when, because they're not in this space where they feel like they have to have the right answer. I mean, I'm, I'm not really a, a super high pressure coach, but, um, you know, everybody's everybody. So they're sometimes people feel pressure on their own. Um, so anyway, I loved seeing their work being done and them coming back and telling me how it was, how it kind of was cul uh, culminated within. Yeah. That's the practice. That's the the playground out there. You yeah. can, we talk about this, but you can logically know it or understand the concept, but until for me, until I experience it, I go through it, I practice it, that, that it work. Yeah. Um, but that's hard. It's, it's such a, for me, it was always such like a, a hard thing to figure out how to fill in that gap. And this year um, I've coached with Rachel and you've know, done a lot of other work too. And just kind of coming out of this cycle, this rendition of evolution, it, you know, it's so much easier to look back and be like, Oh, I like, I get it now. I get the things that I didn't get before. Like you said, it's that, that going deeper, which is, it's really cool. And then that only expands your mind. I feel like more, for this round of, of evolution because you know totally. it's possible because now yeah now you know that it is a thing in general right uh, there's mm. it's it's actually it's a it's a level of it's maturity right and some like whether it be spiritual maturity physical maturity all of it is, is all happening as we go through life i think we didn't um generations ago whatever that whatever that means to anybody out there you know they didn't necessarily have these types of conversations on a regular basis like i always wonder like what did and three-year-old Nana, like, what do they talk about in their, you know, anywhere from their thirties to their forties, were they talking about probably not consciousness, right? <laughs> and the depth of, of being and, and that type of thing. And so the fact that whether it's surfacey or not, that it's coming up a little bit, it will, I think eventually is leading to something that, that will serve us all. At least that, that's my intention. I wonder if maybe they were, but because media totally. wasn't so like, I don't know, we've been, so Janelle and I are like, love old, the older generations and we're like talk to us talk to us talk to us because I am always so surprised by like it's just crazy or like the the 
stereotypes that like have existed around like honestly the valuelessness of the older generations it's just so sad to both of us and for a lot of people um and when I get so much from spending time and hearing stories that I just like I I just forget like oh yeah duh like duh well and we just 50 years ago you were 50 right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you're still yeah totally yeah. When I love it, it's dealing with some real shit. We are throwing out the bat signal and we're looking for cool grandparents. If you haven't checked out our multi-generational podcast with Katie from Spire Fitness and her mom and her grandma, definitely check that out. It is season three, episode 38. One of our goals for 2020 and into 2021 is to include wisdom from older generations that really hasn't been as valued as we think it should be or maybe just has been lost through technology and how things have changed in advance. So we are looking for cool, fun grandparents that want to be on a podcast. So if you have one, if you know one, even if they're not a grandparent, but you just know someone that is of an older generation than Rachel and I, we would love for you to connect us and see if they want to come on the True North Collective podcast. Okay, let's jump back in. And it's like, it's similar, but the perspective is different, obviously. And that's what I love about it. We talked to um, one of our old coworkers, her mom and her grandma in one conversation. And I actually just finished editing that podcast. It's very fresh in my mind. And just like the things that her grandmother was sharing with us that Rachel, to your point, it was just like, I didn't, and very naive of me, but like, I didn't really think that they're thinking about that, but and then like their comparisons, like we talked a lot about family structure and how family structure relates to society and the dynamics within their family, how there are parallels to what society is going through right now. And she's like, duh, but also, so it's just like, it's the same, but it's different. And I love the perspective shift and, and challenging my own thought process because yeah, it is really easy to just be like, oh, you don't get it. Yeah. You're from a different generation. Right. <laughs> Um, no, I totally, in fact, going back to that, and when I said, when I was saying earlier, I was saying, oh, like people you talk, like, I think about like Ram Das, like, you know, he was having these conversations of like this depth, this, you know, again, 40 years ago, whatever it is, my math isn't awesome. Um, <laughs> but, and like, like I might've heard something that he said 20 years ago myself and be like, okay, yeah, I kind of get that. Like, oh yeah, whatever. And now like, I'm like, oh, like, this is what this guy was thinking about, like all day, every day, like <laughs> in a completely different level. Uh, and I kind of blew it up. And so Right. For me, even to say that they weren't thinking about consciousness doesn't make sense. I think it just probably wasn't discussed maybe with children and on a social society level type of thing where it came up in family conversations. So, but who am I to say what anybody was talking about? I mean, obviously there's millions and millions of people in the past decades. Yeah, it's, it's definitely more mainstream and it's, it's, I mean, obviously you can see the influence of each generation's openness to explore new depth of humanity and how that impacts the future. Um, it's, it's really cool. Did you actually know that Ram Dass, I'm going to get this wrong, but, um, I'm, uh, he, I think before he went into his, like, cause he wasn't always in, I don't know if he would even say that he was enlightened, but he wasn't always on that path. And before that, and maybe even while it, he would still do like all these really human things that people would be like, 
you're Ram Dass. You can't go to the like movie, the the sex movie theater. And he'd be like, oh, I can. And I am. I enjoy it. So I'm going. <laughs> and I love that. It's like, I'm, I'm human. I'm a human. And I enjoy going to the sex movie theater. Right. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I like watching people have sex. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and I also am interested in these like spiritual concepts that yeah. can evolve society. And I just, I love when I find things out about that because it can be so easy to, to put people in these finite boxes of like, oh, you're a spiritual guru. And that means right. that you must be this for me. And it's right. like, no. <laughs> yeah, so said, all that is is based on whoever said that's perception, right? So yeah. if someone's saying you are, that, that's their perception is as opposed to the truth. Yeah. And you said earlier, I mean, I heard, I believe we're all of it. And I am, I feel the exact same way. And maybe I misheard you, but I feel the same way. I believe that every expression that exists is within each of us. And um, we have the capability of any of it. And therefore the invitation to play with any of those slices of the human experience. Um, and I think when we are just only focusing on the ones that you know, feel comfortable, we're missing like a whole bunch of expression, depth of life. Well, and, and to even go back to, it's like, not only is now to what you're saying about generations kind of learning from each other, now being more open to kind of playing out in, in, in life. I know this kind of almost seems obvious to say, but I mean, the, the influence that the internet has had just, I think on society and people being aware of different things is, is so huge in the sense that I'll say 30 years ago, pre-internet, I'll just say, whatever that means. And typically, right, this is me painting with a broad brush, but typically many people were raised in, in a town, which is the culture was very much the same. They're raised by their parents who had the same religion as their parents and the same religion as their parents. And they were just taught, this is the way to be. And this is how my life is. And so that's, that's all I really knew. If I wanted to get real deep information, I could go to the library. Maybe people went to school, a college, and they learned a little bit more information from some other cultures, but still there wasn't enough. This is me again, broad brush. Often there wasn't enough diversity in conversations and cultures for them to come back and make a change, right? Because they've already at that point had 20 years of being this is who I am, dogma, doctor, and the whole thing. Um, as opposed to now, a 16 year old who, let's say, I'll just use Catholicism, was raised Catholic, uh, but 16 year old gets on their phone and just starts YouTubing anything, right? And leads them in a whole different direction to where they can start being curious about anything else. And so they're able to get information to at least allow them to be curious about what else is out there instead of it just being like, this is all, this is in front of you all day, every day. And that's all you get to see. So now the information is so accessible and awareness is so accessible and you can go on YouTube and watch a Ram Dass thing, or I can, you know, go check out Dr. Joe Dispenza. You can learn different things about the world. Um, I, I think that is also playing a lot into people's just awareness and ability to, like you said, use some of these different terms from a different perspective. That's so true. I, I was just having a conversation with someone about that, even in my own life. And yes, I grew up mostly with the internet. Um, but I feel like leading up to, to college, it was kind of similar. Like my parents, they're high school sweethearts. They've lived in the same city their entire life. Their parents live in that city, maybe not their entire life, you know, for a good portion of, um, of their life. And I didn't, it's hard to imagine now knowing who I am, but like, I didn't really necessarily have any big ambitions. It was just like, okay, I have to go to college. I'm going to apply to the two colleges basically closest to hometown. And it really wasn't until college. And I was, um, 
really it was actually a mentor I had that just kind of started to very subtly plant the idea that like there's more out there and you're actually you have something that nothing maybe no one had ever pointed it out but she really kind of pushed and was like no there's something here like go do the thing try it try it and I had you know people had always encouraged me but it just felt different in a way and it just started to you know the snowball effect of what that does for someone and now that you mentioned the internet like obviously by the time I was in I mean obviously but I'm 29 so by the time I was in college um you know spending plenty of time on the internet but it is mm-hmm. interesting how those small influences can well, really just alter your perspective and to your point about staying in the same town I mean and I hadn't really given this any thought until just now but even just looking for jobs right now you can look for a job anywhere in the world you want at a click of a button but again I say back you know whenever 30 years ago you, I don't even know. I guess you found you found a newspaper from other cities that maybe you had. I don't even know how people got jobs in other cities because probably you're already working for a corporation and they might have told you there's a job in Chicago if you want it. But for the most part, you just kind of stayed where you were. Um, so I don't. I mean, it's an interesting thing to even think about. So that in itself kept people where they were because that's where the work was, right? That's where the money was. That's where their livelihood was. That's where their friends and family were. Now we meet Fred. You and oh, the three of us are friends now, right? We just met tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you all of a sudden within an instant. You know people anywhere you want in the world. It's funny. I've been on like a podcast tour this summer. I went on 50 podcasts in, in like four months. Um, and the one thing I did not expect, I don't know why I didn't expect this, but my, my favorite part about it and the biggest surprise was that I've met people from all over the world and had authentic, awesome conversations. And like, I'm good friends with people now. Just, I mean, I've never met them in, in person. Actually, you mentioned Teach Me to Sell. It's a sales training company. I have a partner in there. I've met him once. Uh, and like for like three minutes, like in person. And we meet every day over video. He lives in Colorado. I'm in New Jersey. And we've been building a business for six months, but we've never actually like shared heart space. You know what I mean? We've never kind of been yeah. like an eight foot ratio within, you know, for longer than two minutes. Um, so it's, I mean, it's definitely a brave new world. <laughs> it is. That's actually, I with COVID, like that's one of the things I'm excited about even more so because we've been on this journey as a society with technology evolving. And now, I, I mean- like I'm in North Carolina with someone I met on the road who's working remotely that we probably never really would have met and just, and how that changes yeah for people as it's like well you don't have to live in the bay to work for a tech company because maybe tech companies don't want to pay for office space anymore in the bay so go live where you want and like how does that start to shake out everything I mean really everything so it's going to be from a like a societal standpoint I'm excited to see what shakes out well, it, from it saves the positives companies. of COVID. And it saves companies money too. So oh, yeah. it's like, there's a lot. I, and I, I mean, I love coaching digitally. It's, I'm just drawn to it. I know some people are just like, no, I want to be in person. And that's awesome. I don't think in-person stuff's going to go away. And it's been really cool during this space to like, experience how, I mean, I already knew this because this, how this, I love digital coaching, but to watch people who are like, "Uh, I don't feel connection in the digital space. And then all of a sudden there is so much resonance that can happen through a screen so quickly. And to feel people like feel people be like, Oh my gosh, I feel you. I didn't know that was possible. Like, Oh, it's so cool. I, I cry in coaching sessions all the time. I mean, I'm not, not, not sobbing, but I'm saying we're totally connected, like totally yeah. uh, in the space where to your point feeling each other. Yeah. I have, um, 
I mean, you have been doing this, like, you know, the stuff you're, you're entrepreneur, you're successful. What has been like the, the area of your life where you have consistently had like butted up against a wall or had a rub or like a thing that just like, I don't know, you're like wrestling with. That's a great question. Um, I don't know if it's been one thing consistently and probably if I were to dive deeper into it and that might take, you know, <laughs> some serious therapy probably is all the same thing. Uh, but I feel like it's probably just a lot of different things at different times in my life because I have changed quite a bit as I'm thinking out loud. It's probably, I'm a little bit of an ADD entrepreneur, like in the sense that I love doing different projects. And when I think of a new project, I kind of want to get started on Like right now, I'm, I have like three or four different projects and companies that I'm working on in some capacity. Um, and not all of them pay, right? So it's time, like it's exchanging time away from my family, whatever. I, I live, I work from home, I'm here all the time. It's like I'm away from my family, but it is time that I'm focusing elsewhere or away from a business that is paying or away from, you know what I mean? It's like different things. So I think the the rub against is that I, I'm, I don't say I'm too passionate. Uh, it's like a job interview. Well, <laughs> what's your biggest fault? Well, I'm too passionate about my work. Uh, but I'm, I'm get so excited about a lot of different things that, Sometimes I don't, I, I think there's an opportunity for growth for me to be more focused in certain areas at certain times. Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot of um, like, what is my, the value of my time too. And I definitely, as I'm getting older um, and I shared this on the podcast, I share it a lot. I had cancer when I was 14 and 15 and it didn't really like land in a way where I understood the value of time. <laughs> right away. That's not what happened afterwards for me. I was just kind of like, okay, let's move on. And like, let me climb the ladder. And now though, I'm really starting to like feel the gravity and the impact of like, that was traumatic. And it, I had poison injected into my veins from nurses who had masks on, who didn't want to touch it with their hands. And it was put into my body multiple times, you know, and like that is going to have an impact on my long-term health. And, and so I've really, yeah, I just, I hear the value of time and, and that doesn't, yeah, that's that's what I hear. And I've been playing with that a lot too. Yeah. You know, the other thing that comes up, it's like, I, I, Part of me as well is because I, I feel like it's not to say that the well, so it is the value of time, but it's also wanting to to do it better, so that I can utilize my time differently to do more. If that makes sense, do time better. Uh, do the projects better. Uh, you know what I mean? Like like <laughs> like follow through so they are complete yeah. uh, before moving on to the next thing. So it's it's partially time, but also partially like. Like get it done so that it's done and then, you know, move on to whatever's next. Yeah. Um, so how does this um, tie back to your purpose? Because I know that is a lot of like a big topic for you and how you live each day with purpose. I'm curious for you and your journey, specifically knowing that you're interested in a lot of different business uh, ideas and concepts, how it ties back. Well, the cool part about that is, as I'm answering the question, is is my purpose is to be the best version of myself as often as possible and be the light that I want to see in the world at the same time. So in that sense, I guess if it, if it ties back to it, it's like, well, is the best version of myself distracted so easily? Is the best version of myself somebody who's able to get focused and get the job done? And it's not judging myself for being bad. It's just 
again, an opportunity for growth. And or, which I've been really relying on lately, is bringing in other people and, and realizing that I don't have to do it all on my own. In fact, my strengths aren't to do it all on my own. My, my strengths are guiding and supporting and creativity and, and curiosity and ideas. But getting it done on the left brain stuff is not necessarily <laughs> my strong suit. So um, I, I think the, the purpose is helping other, not only you know to be the best version of myself, but to help inspire others to do the same. But I do that by doing it myself. Right. That, that's my, my belief. I think the more that we can all strive to be the best versions of ourselves and be the light that we want to see in the world, we empower others to do the same by witnessing our behavior uh, and seeing the results that we get from that behavior. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I'm also I, I feel like I have so many conversations with other people and then also myself around purpose. And one, I love it. You just said your purpose it, you know, it's not a necessarily right. It, it brings it back to self because I think a lot of us are like, well, my purpose is it's almost outside of ourselves. A lot of times I think when, at least I've historically thought of it, it's like, oh, my purpose must be to build a community, to run a gym, to, I don't know, be a, like they're, they're very career focused or, or the maybe even partner focused where it's like, or to be a good partner to this other person. Um, so one, I appreciate that. And then two, when you speak to curiosity and purpose, because I'm sure you've coached around this, like, where do you encourage people to start when they're like, I have no idea what my purpose is. Yeah. I don't know. I'm floundering. And it's much easier than I think most people think. <clears throat> it's a simple answer in the sense that what is my purpose for today? And think about that every single day and write it down every single day. And it doesn't matter if it's different every day. It could be different every day. But if you start writing it down every single day and then you track it over a week or two, you're going to start to notice some patterns. And then the other thing is letting go. We talked about being attached, letting go of it, having to be your purpose for the rest of your life. Even after, let's just say two weeks go by and six days out of the 14, uh, you have to have the same purpose. You're like, okay, that's my purpose. And maybe it's true, right? Maybe that, that's, that's what I want to be. That's what I'm going to spend the next month, year, 10 years, whatever. That, that's your decision to, to choose that as your purpose in that moment. It doesn't mean that's what you what you have to do for the rest of your life. That's who you are today. I'm not the same person I was a year ago. I'm definitely not the same person I was 10 years ago. So to have to have the same purpose doesn't even make sense. So decide who you are today. Decide who you want to be today. Decide what your purpose is for today because today is all there is anyway. Now is all there really is. What is your purpose for right now? Uh, and that's what it comes down to. So my purpose for right now is to be present and to be joyful and to recognize the now and to be grateful and to know that there's, I woke up this morning and there's gravity, there's sunlight, there's oxygen just so that I can exist and do whatever I want. So what do I want to do with this gift of life? Who do I want to inspire? Who do I want to challenge? Who do I want to empower? And that includes myself. Do I want to make time to empower myself and to be the best version of myself? So anybody who's like, oh, I, so first of all, let go that you have to have a purpose for the rest of your life would be my suggestion in that space. Secondly, don't even worry about the two-week thing. Just say, decide what my purpose is for today and have fun with it. And be, again, going back to curiosity, be curious as to what could it be? It's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, listen, maybe my purpose is to be nice to my sister. Maybe my purpose is to um, reach out to somebody I haven't talked to in 10 years and tell them how much I appreciated something they did for me in college. Maybe it doesn't matter. It can be anything you want. And when you start being flexible and less attached to it, having to be this big thing that I have to know what it is for the rest of my life, instead of just what is the, what is the song of my soul saying right in this moment? And, and <laughs> I'm even getting emotional just saying it. And then feeling that, 
Like that can be your purpose whenever you want it to be. I, I love, I love the idea of chunking it down to like one day at a time because it does give you that freedom of play, that experimentation. Um, I think I probably tended to call it intention, but I even love the idea of being like, no, like your purpose for the day, the reason you exist today is what, um, is pretty, is pretty cool. And then to just like be in the practice of letting go of being non-attached to like, okay, so here's how it ended. And now is a new day. So what's my purpose today? So you're, you're literally building, building that, that, those new patterns of being able to, to let go and to show up and to adjust and adapt and to meet the moment where it is with, and listen to what you actually need. Um, and then to be able to track that over time and be like, what's been consistent and, you know, where do I tend to go and where do I tend to avoid? And what is that? What do I want to do with that? Nothing, something like it's pretty cool. And then with that, here's the interesting thing that just popped into my noggin as you're speaking. It's like, what is my purpose? Well, maybe my purpose is to live on purpose, right? And as silly as that sounds, not silly, but I mean, like, okay, what does that mean? It means to, to use your word intention, right? To live intentionally. Like with everything that I'm doing, be aware that I can purposely, purpose, purposefully choose a purpose. I can live purposefully. And my purpose today is to, again, be the best version of myself, whatever that means. Right. If we if we stop going and I think, you know, we, we touched on judgment versus curiosity. This is perfect space for it, because when we, when we go to not judging ourselves for what we're not or judging ourselves is not good enough. And we instead get more curious as to what we can be. What can my purpose be? What can my intention for today be? And not judging myself for not being far enough in my career, not being the, the weight that I want to be, not being the relationship that I want to be and all these different things. When we say I should be this, I should be that, I should be this. You know, stop shooting on yourself. If you change all that from should to could, right? From, from judgment is the should. You should be this. Well, based on what? Right? Based on every single second of my life. The only time I like to use the word should is when I say that. You should be exactly who you are based on every single second of life that you've lived up until this moment. But in all other cases, if you change that to could, well, I could lose more weight. Awesome. So what does that mean? I could be in a different relationship. Great. What do you want to do about that? I could, you know, be further along in my career. Very cool. What does that actually look like? Well, where would you like to be? Right. So you've already removed the story, you removed the judgment, and you insert curiosity. And then to your point, you get to play, you get to enjoy life, you get to realize there is only now. Who do I want to be right now? Yeah, I, I love the invitation of just like swapping, like just making the small tweak of like, what's the what's the thing that you're saying to yourself? And if you could just change it to like, you know, like I can't da 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 da. I could da 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 da. Like, what does that do? What if you could? So not yeah. like trying to figure it out, but what if you could? Yeah. Then then what might happen? And it's like, huh. I I think when I first started to play in this space, it was one of the very first things that one, a guy that I um, is a dear friend of mine. He worked with wounded vets. Um, and he, he shared that perspective with me of like, wherever you think there's like a wall or a stopping place, like just tweak that language. What does that do for you? Not that you need to be in a different place or it has to, you have to be at the solution, but just what does it open up for you? Um, I always loved that. Yeah. And it's, it's a pretty powerful place to be. Like when you can kind of just say, get rid of the story, get rid of the judgment, stop looking at the past. And coming up with all the, it's amazing 
how many clients I will be in a coaching conversation with. And I'll say something like, and I'm you know, being very basic here, like, what do you want to be? And they'll say, well, I can't be this because of this. And I can't be that because of this. And they give me all the reasons they can't be what I didn't even ask why you can't. <laughs> like, it's just their go-to. It's just our habit. It's just like human nature to look at all the reasons why we're not who we want to be and immediately go to judgment as opposed to genuinely recognize that there's opportunity every single day for you to change directions if you want to. Do you think that there's a benefit to judgment? No. (laughs) I think there are consequences for behaviors, right? There are outcomes. But as soon as you judge somebody, you put them in a box and you label them. And if you judge yourself, you're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. I give the example of, you know, I grew up in like Huntington County, New Jersey, which is like this, like, you know, super suburb, like 50 minutes out west of New York City. And again, it's just like this kind of, I don't know, safe place to grow up <laughs> type of a thing, right? Sure. Um, and going back to like how you're raised by your parents and your culture and in your church and in these different things, right? And then you go to a place like Newark Airport and all of a sudden you're going to see all these different types of people. And this is, when I say this word, it's not a judgment at all. All these different types of behaviors, these are ways of dressing, ways of speaking, ways of acting, ways of interacting, um, ways of smelling, right? All these different things, right? And immediately based on where I grew up in Huntington County, New Jersey, as maybe a 16 year old kid, and I, if I hadn't had so much, as kids, they have more, more opportunity to see stuff on the internet as we talked about. But if in that space, if I just went there, I find myself judging, oh my gosh, I would never talk that way. I would never dress that way. I would never behave that way. I would never, right? So judge, 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 judge. It doesn't mean, and by the way, it's not like I was saying, oh, I hate you. You're terrible. It's just judgment. It's not, it's not like you're, it's a, and sometimes, by the way, it's also, oh my gosh, that person is so much better than me. That person is so much better looking than me. That person is so much more than me. So you're judging them as better or good, right? There's, it's still judgment. Uh, as opposed to, I'll, I'll go back to the, the airport of what we're coming across as a negative judgment, being curious and saying, I, wow, like I would never behave that way. I wonder what that person's life has been like every single second that leads them to be that way and not lead them to be that way that it's bad, but generally curious. Like, I wonder what their life is like that they behave that way, that their thoughts lead them to act or behave or dress or anything in a certain way. And when you start to insert curiosity over judgment, you then become, you open to empathy and understanding. And when you start to do that, then you really, really are all one anyway. And when that, the, and that's when everything and that's when the truth shines through. So is the benefit to judgment? From my experience. Yeah. So is the benefit to judgment the invitation to curiosity? It's an indication of where you could get curious? Absolutely. So that's a great, great response. Thank you. I, oh. I, will, I will take that as my take answer. Take it. <laughs> yes. The benefit, well, and so yeah, the benefit to judgment is awareness that you're judging. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and then choice, honestly, which is a huge, a a really, I mean, truly the ability to really from an aware place, choose what you want and take responsibility for that is not something, I mean, I was never really taught that I was taught what I thought I was supposed to do. That was the right thing, but to really sit in the choice and to be able to like recognize what am I actually trying to get from this? And what's the short-term gain versus the long-term gain? And who is this actually benefiting? Does it, you know, what, what implications? There, there is so much that goes 
into that. And it is a really humbling process to actually choose. Yeah. And even when it comes down to choosing, how do I want to feel right now? Like if you're angry, you just got in a fight with somebody or a disagreement with somebody, how long do you want to be angry? Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And I'm saying like, that's one of the first things that comes to mind me for when it comes to choice. Do I want to be patient? Do I want to be impatient? If I'm stuck in a car and I'm, I'm late for something, do I want to spend the next 45 minutes while I'm late being angry that I'm late or what happened to me that caused me to be late, whether it be traffic or something with my family? Or do I want to just recognize that I'm a human being like floating through space <laughs> and I could choose to feel however I want to and put on my favorite song and think about somebody I love unconditionally and know that I'm going to get there exactly when I'm supposed to get there. And then life is going to unfold as it's supposed to. Yeah. I find too, from my background personally, when it comes to judgment, that a lot of times when you're judging other people, I mean, almost, I would maybe even argue all the time, you're also doing the same to yourself. Like I held myself to such a high standard and felt as though I couldn't make a mistake or if I was late for something, I would, I was that angry person. Um, and then, but, but, and I would do the same thing to other people. And like, as I started to be able to let go of that judgment, I actually almost think in a lot of ways it started with other people, but then I was able to bring that compassion back to myself. So I know a lot of times, you know, people would be like, Oh, well, who is it hurting? It's like, it's hurting you, <laughs> you know, like, so it, it allows you to get curious about yourself too, in other, other ways. So I think for me, because I, I've talked about this in the podcast, but I live, I've lived a pretty external life. Um, and I had to start by giving the compassion of other people and then taking that modeling and then applying it to myself. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not judging these people now for being late or this or being that, then why am I still doing it to myself? And it's an ongoing process. Yeah, no, it's huge. And so, in fact, I mentioned earlier, just a decade starting myself with coaches, again, going back to we're all human, like this is not a, it's a human thing to judge. It's a way of programming that we've kind of become. Um, but there's so many coaches, so I talk to all the time that have all this self-judgment, rightfully so, right, based on their life. And then and I, to your point, I'd be like, well, if this was your client, <laughs> what would you be telling them right now? And they're like, oh, well, I would just, you know, I was like, oh. And then we just sit there in silence for a second. They're like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Always. Always. Everyone else is probably make this is so obvious right you're like oh well then just do whatever you want but when it comes to your own problems or your yeah. stuff it's like uh, yeah there's like a black hole sometimes of like <laughs> i can't get through this myself yep exactly it's the human and, in us and that's why it's so important to just be able to have that that witness and the commute and community and connection and spaces where you can actually say the things that you're like i'm not supposed to say this but to be able to say it and like, okay, we're going to sit in that. I still love you regardless. And you don't need to prove anything to me. Uh, you know, what do you want to do with that? That's now out there. So what do, what do we want to do with that? And like, I know for me, when I'm just in my own head with it, I can just be in that loop for like, it's like, it doesn't matter how much you know the, the tools and all the things. Like when you're inhuman, like, <laughs> when you're inhuman, you're inhuman. And so like having another person to be able to just hold that container for you so that you can, you know, see the mirror, whatever it is that is like such a cool thing. And it like gets you out of the shame of it. I think sometimes too, like Rachel, you've held space for me in this way. Um, someone that I'm dating right now, I feel like does it. And I'll just say stuff that normally I'm like, I'm a bad person because of this, like, you know, stupid stuff. Like, 
and like I can acknowledge then and just almost like laugh at it and just be like I am basically throwing a little tantrum right now because of something that's not a big deal but this is my emotion right now let's laugh about it let's know that it's not actually that serious and like we'll get past it but now I'm not ashamed that I'm feeling xyz way like I can actually process it and acknowledge it and not feel like people are judging me for it. And yes, people always will, but to have those people in your life that are just like, yeah, whatever, have your moment. Cool. Like this this isn't, this is just a moment. It's not you. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean really that much about you or doesn't have to at least. And then it, it, it's like such an easy way to just move on then when other people aren't holding on to it yeah it's like it's beautiful and I feel like I'm starting to get more and more relationships like that in my life and I'm just like I can process things so much faster because I'm not sitting in the spiral as much as maybe I used to well and be you know if that's who you're you're becoming intentionally and you're observing yourself and, and surrounding yourself with others like that you will of course attract other people like that as well because you know like energy attracts like energy so all of a sudden mm-hmm. people will kind of fall into place in that space and real thing, just because you touched on, and I'm sure this is for a lot of listeners out there, just it popped up in my brain. So I want two things. Uh, one, and I'll go back to vulnerability being a lot like going to the gym. Uh, but the second thing, because I think I'll forget this one quicker, is going, you said like, even if I feel this way and people are going to judge me, whether they judge me or not, <clears throat> I just want a little nugget out there for anybody out there. What somebody else thinks of you is actually none of your business because it literally has nothing to do with you. And going back to the airport scenario, uh, had this person, had you been born to who the, let's, I'll talk about a person who is judging you for being emotional. I'm just making that scenario. Yeah. Uh, had you been born to their parents and lived every single second of their life and walked in and saw Janelle acting emotional in this way, you would judge you too. Right. And so it literally has nothing to do with you at all. And so therefore it's really none of your business because it has everything to do with them. And when we stop focusing on what anyone else, anywhere else thinks, we then can live our truth and we can be present and we can decide who we want to be and what our purpose is and the people we want to surround ourselves with. And if we stop caring what someone else somewhere else thinks, which has nothing to do with me, then you know it's just, in my opinion, it's a more enjoyable way to live. And by the way, also to go back to yourself, then you can start really also um, giving empathy and understanding to yourself. And you to, and this is exactly what you were just describing. You're like, okay, so now I know that this is who I am and it's okay that I'm emotional sometimes. And if it's not who I want to be, then I could be more aware of it more often. And each time it happens, if I notice a pattern, then I could do something about it and get curious as to how would I rather be showing up in this moment? Who would I rather be? It's not bad that I'm showing up this way, but who would I prefer to be? And what can I do about that in this moment? And how can I build up that practice and build up that muscle of choosing, right? Going back to choice, choosing who I prefer to be. It doesn't mean that's always just flip a switch, don't worry, be happy. But the more you practice like anything and the more you build up this muscle like anything, the more you're curious and, and aware that there's only now and you have a choice to decide who you want to be. And what happened yesterday, last week, 10 years ago, some, what someone else somewhere else is thinking right now doesn't make any difference in who I am in this moment if I don't want it to. Like that's when you really start to get powerful and that's when you start to appreciate and that's when you start to manifest things because then you are like really, um, you know, you're a live wire. Yeah, it's so true. And that's exactly what, happened. It was like, you know, it's such a small thing. It was over, it was over a, a, basically a jacket and like having to give up a jacket and like having all these emotional tendencies and, and response to it, but then also being able to acknowledge it, laugh 
it, experience the emotion, and then within 24 hours, because it was small, and of course, things some things can take longer to process, but having that curiosity, like you'd mentioned, I got curious, I'm like, why am I, like, why am I tripping over this right now? Like, there's clearly something else here. And rather than maybe historically, I might've been in shame and been like, oh, you acted like a fool. What did that person think of you? Why were you being emotional? And judging the emotion, I was able to accept it, get curious. Even funny enough, we had a um, someone who works with dreams on the podcast last week. I actually had a dream about it, which yeah. full circle, um, brought a lot of clarity. And it was just like, oh, I understand now. And, you know, within less than, I mean, it was less than 24 hours. It's like to be able to process, move on and have that awareness of yourself. And honestly, if something like that comes up again, like I might feel similar emotions, but I bet it'll be to a lesser degree or I might just be able to process it within minutes. For a lesser amount of time. Exactly. Totally. A small favor to ask. Rachel and I are really trying to grow the True North Collective podcast. We have some pretty big goals for 2021. So if you like this podcast, please share it, recommend it to a friend, spread the word. It's free and it actually means a lot and can make a really big impact on what we're trying to do. So we would really appreciate it. Okay, let's jump back into the episode. Um, and the other piece I was going to say with that, which falls right into this as well, is the vulnerability to going to the gym, right? <clears throat> when you go to the gym, like especially at the New Year's, right? Everybody's not going to start going to the gym. I don't really want to go to the gym. I know I have to. I know it's good for me. I know I, I know all the reasons I should be going there. And I know that it's actually will release endorphins. It'll make me more of who I want to be in so many different ways. I don't really want to go, though. I, I, I just don't want to go. It's uncomfortable for me. I know there's going to be pain. I know there's going to be discomfort. I know there's all these different things. And then you go whatever reason, let's say you get to that point and you go and you're so happy you did. And when you walk out of there, you feel better. And then, then you, if you can keep up the habit of going again and you build up the habit and you enjoy every time you go, even though you know that it's painful when you first get there, you know, you're going to be sore afterwards, but you still go because you can feel the benefits in your mind ahead of time. Vulnerability is the exact same way in the sense that I know this is going to be painful. This is going to be uncomfortable. I don't really want to do this at all. But then when you do it, if you're surrounding yourself with people that are supportive, uh, aging and curious, and you start to surround yourself with more people like that, um, you do feel good as soon as it's done and you are able to communicate better and you are glad you did it. And it does hurt a little bit sometimes afterwards, but at the same time, it's, it's just so good for the soul. And when you start to do that again, that's becomes, I love what you guys talk about authentic, right? That's when you're really, the more vulnerable you can be, the more authentic you can be in any situation. And when you build that habit up, Again, you're, you're really able to live on purpose because you don't give a shit what anybody else thinks, right? You, you know what your truth is and you're meant to be. And if you don't, then you, you're more excited to figure it out. I, I feel this so deeply. And the words that I'll use are like an aha that I had in the last few weeks, which is my baseline has tended to be um, like, I use these tools, like, I, you know, here's my baseline. And when I dip, I use these tools to like, you know, get, you know, get back up. And so they're almost like, you know, like a journaling or morning rituals or whatever they'd be. It's like, I would deploy them as like medicine almost. And all of a sudden I had this like, aha, that this is not something that you just do as like a quick hit. Like this creates your baseline. Like this allows you to baseline be the person you want and when things get crazy you can like 
add a little bit more or get the additional support, but what are the things that you're doing so that your baseline isn't just like, and I went down, but actually it's like, I'm up here and then I'm like, you know, and, and it allows me, I'm just recognizing so much that, you know, the ability for me to, to make a commitment to myself each morning to get up and make the bed and to take a shower. And I know those two things seem like really it's that hard, but it just, they didn't seem important to me. And, you know, I'm rebellious and I'm not going to do what the fuck you tell me to do. And, you know, the ability for me fuck to- you pillows. I'm leaving you on the floor. You, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like my ability to, to honor myself and, and to make a commitment to myself. And I swear, pulling the sheets back at, at the, at the end of the night, instead of like a crumpled up mess is like, there's nothing better than that. You know, and then that led to like, okay, I'm going to commit to 15 minutes of just journaling and like, see what happens. And, and then I've been doing walks and it's like these things that I now am not just deploying when shit is like, it's chaos because it's always fucking chaos, (laughs) you know? And I'm definitely, yeah, it's just a shift. It's been a shift for me. And I, I heard that in, in what you were saying of like the habits and like building that muscle not just as a, um, I cannot think of the uh, medicine is the only thing that's coming up for me. Yeah. A bandaid. Yeah. Like let me pop a Tylenol pill, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like, no, this is my the life. Foundation. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's an immune system. Yeah, exactly. So yes. I feel like this is a pretty good segue, Ryan, into your book, which is be patient, be present, be joyful, a first aid kit for the emotional bumps, scrapes, and bruises of life. Life. So want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, happily. And thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, man, I mean, I have been, like I said, coaching for 10 years. First of all, let me dial it back and say that I am not a reader, right? (laughs) There are some amazing, I listen to, I'm more definitely an audible guy, but even then, there are some amazing books out there that will change your life and I will not finish them, right? So I, there's nothing to do with the book. I'm not saying that nobody else should do the opposite. That being said, knowing this and coaching with people over a decade, I recognize that there are certain basic things like patience, like presence, like joy that people feel come from outside and feel are difficult to obtain and are really missing in people's lives and they don't know it. They just feel like it's I don't know. I know that everybody has a different story, right? And this includes myself. This includes my family. This is also obviously the clients. So as a creative entrepreneur with a little bit of an ADD scenario there, I thought, well, listen, what if there was a book that if I'm having a stressful day, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm not going to sit down and read 300 pages, you know, where you're going to spend hundred pages telling me what you're going to tell me. Another hundred pages telling me what you're telling me. And then a third hundred pages telling me what you told me. I mean, all that's valuable and it's a great way to learn, but it's just not going to work for me. So I'm like, I just need like a first aid kit. I need something quick and easy, small that I can carry on me wherever I go. Um, that it literally just handles some of these basic things that then remind me of who I am and who I can, who have the opportunity to be. So that was the concept of the book. And so in fact, for those who are seeing this on video, you can see, I mean, it's literally, you can carry it in your back pocket. You can carry it in your purse. You can put it in your glove compartment. It's a, it's a quick little book, 75 pages or something. You can read it in 35 minutes. And the concept is, so that there's five chapters, including a prologue and an epilogue, right? So the, the prologue is you are a creator. And it's just, it's, listen, in order for you to read the rest of this book, you have to be very aware of this, this concept, at least have buy-in it to read the rest of the book. In every single second, you are creating something, 
right now, the three of us are creating three human beings recording an awesome podcast, right? If you wake up in the morning and you decide to put on blue socks, blue pants, blue shirt, a blue hat, you are creating a human being dressed in blue. When we put on peanut butter on one piece of bread, jelly on another, slap it together, you're creating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I know this sounds obvious, but stick with me. We create conversation. We create laughter. We create happiness. We create, if you put a bunch of um, words on a piece of paper or a, a sentence on the end, you create a sentence, a period at the end of the sentence. Even when you're sleeping, you are creating a person who is sleeping, right? So in this concept, we are always and in always creating something. And unfortunately, especially in a year like 2020, often we create stress and we create anger and we create overwhelm and we create fatigue and we create sadness. And it's not to say that none of these things are um, obviously understandable. None of these things make sense. So I'm not judging them or belittling them at all. Everybody, again, is exactly who they should be. But I do want people to know that anger, stress, anxiety does not come from outside. It comes from within. We do physically create it. It comes from our emotions. actually comes from our thoughts. Our thoughts, as soon as we, we create thoughts about something that happened, according to a story, our body reacts physically with emotions, that, right? So we are creating emotions. So that's the prologue, right? And again, I kind of made it a little bit deeper than it is. The book is very conversational. <laughs> but anyways, the prologue just let, sets you up for that. So then chapter one is be patient, right? So as we've discussed, like so many times people are stressed or overwhelmed because they're, they're feeling that there's just not enough time. I'm late for something. I'm not farther enough in my career. I'm just impatient with something or someone. And they sit in this place and it builds up anger and it becomes a habit. And so after reading the prologue, it goes into chapter one. And so if you're feeling this way, what would it be like to create a person who is patient? How would a patient person behave? And when you are able to detach yourself from the story that led you to believe all the situations make you angry or stressed or impatient, and instead get curious as to how I can be patient, what does, what does patience actually feel like? like? And to genuinely be curious about it, you are, in a sense, actually creating patience because you're no longer staring at what made you impatient. And instead, you are creating patience by being curious about what patience feels like and then ideally creating it in the moment. If you know somebody who's patient, how does a patient person behave? Um, so that's chapter one. We can say something, Lottie? No, okay. I thought you were just checking it. So that's chapter one. Chapter two, uh, be present, right? So now that you're not waiting on anything any longer, you're not worried about the, that you're late for anything, you're not worried about the future, you might as well not be worried about the, the past either. Or as we touched on just like six or seven minutes ago, what someone else somewhere else thinks or what I did 10 years ago or even what I said when, or even how emotional I got about that jacket. Like, don't worry about stuff. Be here now. Again, there is gravity. There's oxygen. There's sunlight right now so that you can exist. And, you know, what are your five senses doing? What are you smelling? What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you, can you feel the air against the skin of your face? Be here now. Create a person who is present. What would it be like? How would a patient person behave right? I'm sorry, how would a present person behave right now? What is it like to be present? Can I be curious about that? And again, so you are creating a person who's present. So now you're not late for anything. You're not worried about what you did last week. You're not worried about what happened 10 years ago. You're patient. You're present. How would you rather be feeling, right? Create some joy. Create happiness. Just a little bit more joy than you had a minute ago. doesn't have to be like you're this happy-go-lucky, super rainbows and unicorns, sunshine person. But you do have the opportunity to be curious as to what it would be like to create joy. Think of somebody you love unconditionally. Pet an animal. Send a text to somebody you love. And for all three of these, by the way, gratitude. You can use gratitude all the time, right? Create gratitude for anything at any time you want to. Create gratitude for the now. Create gratitude for joy. Create gratitude for your ability to read the book. Like all that goes into these concepts, right? 
So be patient, be present, be joyful. And then uh, the epilogue is keep going, right? On your, on your, again, I get emotional just saying it, but on your worst day and on your best day, you just, just use those two words and keep going. Because the only way you get off your path is if you decide you get off your path. Nobody can make you get off your path. If you, in your mind, decide every day that I'm going to keep going until I get what I want or live the life that I want, and that's what I'm focusing my intention, my purpose, and my follow-through on, one of two things are happen, will happen. One, you'll get there, or B, you'll live a purposeful life where you know what you're doing every single day in the process of trying to get there. And you'll learn what your path is, and you'll meet amazing people, and you'll attract experiences into your life that have everything to do with where you want to go. Uh, and so that's like the first half of the book and the main part of it. And then the second half of the book is what's called CPR. And so the second half of the book is just blurbs. It's just said like paragraphs that I wrote on my Instagram page. And I just put a bunch of things like, and the concept is of the book is, is written twofold. One, and by the way, thank you guys so much for allowing me to, to share this. Um, so one, that you can read straight through it and you can gain some, some concepts that you can use. Like you can finish this book, walk away and say, I have a understanding of my ability to create patience now, right? And because of the way it was written and my understanding of it. But two, it's also physically created as a first aid kit. It's physically created to where you can literally open it to any page and find, whether you've or not, and find something on the page that will be highlighted or stand out so that you have some sort of first aid in the moment of stress or overwhelm. And there's like awesome illustrations on it. There's quotes from other people. Like, so it's not just all Ryan spewing out stuff. It's, um, it is, it's fun and it's, it's, it's pretty <laughs> for lack of a better term. I, I love, I love that it's grounded to in the idea of creator, because I think with that, I've often said like influence, like you're always influencing. And so, um, similarly, I think that being grounded in that idea of, I get to create my own reality. And now I also have these, like, it's like, it, it, it sets the stage that I'm here and now I'm going to go to this like quick first aid, but it's coming from a place of like, I, I am the one who's actually choosing to open the book. I'm choosing where my intuition is guiding me within that book. And I'm choosing to actually follow through or not. So I, I think that's, yeah. a, I love it. And I, I, it's funny. I have a lot of people who have written to me and said like, Hey, you know, I just keep this next to my bedside. And then every once in a while at the end of the day or whatever, I just open it up and, and pick a page. And I just I find something. In fact, let's try it right now. Let somebody okay. pick a number between one and 70, one, one and 69. 38. Now it could be like a title page, which <laughs> you guys keep <laughs> all right, here we go. You ready? <clears throat> mm -hmm. Here's what it looks like again for our, our pretty, YouTube very viewers. pretty. Uh, life literally surrounds us and provides everything we need to thrive. It changes with the seasons of experience, but it's still always and in always, I'm sorry, but it is still always and in always everywhere. Be patient, be present, be joyful. First of all, it's like a tiny book, which I love things that are just like, it's, it does make it feel like, okay, I'm not going to have to read fucking sapiens i mean even though i want to read that book but it's like i'm that like, one's in my suitcase too right now <laughs> i know dude it's on my bookshelf you know and it's like those the ability to and thank you for giving the example there it's like the ability for it to not like that literally can apply to anything at any moment and any time and it's just like a perspective of like oh what can i take from this what does this mean for me today and what it means for me today might be different than tomorrow um totally. yeah First aid. Thank you for doing that.
yeah. for, the wor- for the world. <laughs> yeah, and I say that. I say I wrote it for the world as much as I did for myself. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I believe that and I know that. Yeah. So, Ryan, how do you then live your true north in one word? Now, right? The one word, like, just be here now. That's three words. So I would try to be, let me think about it if I could, because now isn't really, uh, I mean, it's the truth. Um, I think it was pretty powerful. I know. I was like, damn. <laughs> People want to get in touch with you if they want to buy your book, if they want to follow you on the socials, where can they do that? Yeah, totally. So, uh, and thank you again for the opportunity to share. Mm-hmm. So again, my name is Ryan Stanley, R-Y-A-N-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y. And I say it that way because you can go to ryanstanley.com. Uh, and if you do, you will, all my social media buttons are on there. Not my social media butts, but my, my social media <laughs> buttons. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can also purchase my book on that website. If you do, there'll be a button that says, be patient, be present, be joyful. If you click on that, uh, you can buy a book directly from me. It will come signed. And depending on my availability, will also come with a complimentary coaching session. Uh, but if you're already on Amazon, you got the cart open and you just kind of add stuff to it every once in a while. Obviously, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Nobles. Everywhere where books are sold, as they say. Um, yeah, quick and easy. Awesome. And congrats. That's no small feat, writing a book and getting it out there. So thank you. I'll just accept the congratulations. And by the way, I will tell a quick, quick, funny. This (laughs) will go into a much deeper story, which I won't go into, but the shortest version is my favorite number is 44, right? Um, I, and I'm going to make this, this story as short as possible. I, when I got done working with my publisher and figuring the whole thing out, publisher's a friend of mine. That's a whole nother story, how it came to be. His wife actually does the illustrations in the book. And it was like April of last year and we're really coming down to it. And he's like, okay, well, it looks like we've got everything plugged in. We've got it set up. Uh, and he's from Canada, by the way, that's important. I'll tell you in a second. And he's like, okay, so I'm doing the math here. We, by the time everything gets done, we, we get everything back. It looks like it's going to be published on July 4th. Does that work for you? Is that, does that feel like a good date? I know it's a couple of months out, but, and so July 4th is my 44th birthday. And so he didn't know they, that it was a holiday or anything like that, right? And so he just, all of a sudden, the, 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 this gift that I'm giving to my children, right, that I'm, that I'm giving mm-hmm. to the world that I birthed, that I created, and there's so many different signs. I can talk about the number 44. And this is something that I've decided that is a sign in my life, and I see it all the time, and, and it serves me well. And for it to just show up on the, the date of my 44th birthday uh, as this um, gift to the world was, was pretty powerful. That's so cool. 38 is my number. That's why I said that. So, yeah. yeah. As born and actually, real quick, I'll share, I did that same experiment on another podcast and they gave me the exact same page number. No way. Really? Yeah. That's uh, a girl crazy. named Lindsay Bacardi. Lindsay Bacardo. All right. I'm going to go look her up. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you here. shared that story. That um, That's a really cool story. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. It's just a giant wink from the universe. Keep Hell going. Oh, yeah. Right. God, I love when the universe does that. <laughs> totally. Awesome. Thank you so well, thank much, you Ryan. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, ladies, so, so much. I genuinely feel like I made some friends tonight, so I appreciate Same. your awesomeness. Thanks. Thank you. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.